Oh, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. Four. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. For the next two hours, Trent Condon and Ken Miller will talk sports with you. Appreciate you spending some of the morning here and into the afternoon with us on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Shapes up like this. At the bottom of the hour, we will get into the NBA. We are down to four NBA-wise. The preliminary event, the main event, the preliminary events tomorrow uh, is the Western. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Right? Uh, Denver and the Lakers. They go tonight. uh, 7.30 is tip time. And we will talk to uh, our guy Kyle Irving from the Sporting News on both of the series, the coaching moves, etc. Doc Rivers, within the last half hour, has been dismissed in Philadelphia. Apparently he didn't push the right buttons when it came to Joel Embiid and to James Harden. Didn't get enough out of him in Game 7, and he will pay the price. But then again, his records and clinchers, what did you say? 33 or something yeah, times he's 30, gone down. I think overall 34 losses <sighs> now. 10 consecutive losses, just on and on and on. The number of times that he's had opportunities to close out series, 10 straight losses. <laughs> That's wild. It's kind of the Twins-Yankees-like. Yeah, it's bad. It's, By the it's way, you're bad. twins. Are, are you ready for robo-umps after that display last night? Uh, no. You're still not there? No. Oh, my God, that was egregious. Phil Cuzzy was just terrible. Just absolutely terrible. What a night in baseball. You had that. Uh-huh. You had Aaron Judge steal, or not stealing signs. He wasn't stealing signs. Looking over at the dugout. What else is he looking over there for? But you know what? It's not illegal. He's a cheater. Yeah, but you know, I, and honestly, I wish I he would have done it. Correa get booed every single place he goes, yeah, yeah. even though he didn't do it in a well, twins uniform. He was clearly looking for the edge last Let's night. Boo judge every time he comes to the plate now. Uh, and he uh, proceeded to park one 485 feet <laughs> into the Not seats bad. of Rogers. Uh, but uh, come on, you're looking over there because your teammates were chirping, please. Uh-huh. Uh, let's not Great go excuse, there. Huh? It's not, it's, 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 it's legal to do. It's legal to do. They're stealing signs, but doing it forever. Um, but don't. You know, you know what on my shoes and tell me it's raining. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so we'll talk basketball at the bottom of the hour. Then we're going to talk about those red hot St. Louis Cardinals. Yesterday, uh-huh. when we talked about the Cardinals with Matt Snyder, I took a peek. Their odds to win the division were plus four fifty. Mm-hmm. Woke up this morning. Oh, I got to see the updated numbers. Uh, there were four fifty. You said plus four fifty yesterday. We're okay. talking about one of one sixty two. Yeah, how big of a swing was that after they pounded the Brew Crew last night? It's not into the threes. It's into the threes. Lower. Are you kidding me? Plus two ninety at DraftKings this morning. You're kidding me. That I, big of a swing overnight by winning one game. One game. <laughs> one game. Fifty to two ninety. That was a big game. If, of course, yeah. And they dominated. Yeah. And Freddie Peralta was not good. Nope. And Cardinal fans, they were chirping at me yeah. yesterday and into the morning. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was a that was a game yesterday. That Guess was, what? If you lose three to two or you lose a game eighteen to one, it's the same deal. It's the same deal. Yeah. It's the exact same <laughs> it's deal. It's just one loss. I'm Ooh. seven and three seven and three betting on Cardinal games over the last month. I'm Are you? Yeah. You got them figured out, but that was uh that was eye opening last night. Flirty was terrific. He loads yes. the bases in the first inning, mm-hmm. got out of it, double play ball. That's a pitcher's friend. He got out of that and away went the Cardinals and they scored and they kept scoring and eighteen to one finale put up a ten spot in the eighth. They just look like a completely different team. Wilson Contreras is back behind the plate. Simple as that? Well, I don't know if that's as simple as but you know what Marmol said today? He's our everyday catcher going forward. Good. 
Seen enough. You got five years. <laughs> yeah, you have to hope he's your everyday catcher. Going His forward. bat is not good enough to be a first base DH. No, no. There were three catchers years. in that pace in that spot. And you know what? If he only plays mm-hmm. ninety, a hundred games behind the plate, that's okay too. Sure it is. But you can't take away all the value. Joe Maurer became a first baseman. Yes, he did. Mike Piazza became a first baseman. Mm, absolutely. That's what happens for uh-huh. a lot of the guys uh-huh. that can still swing it yeah. late in their careers. With him, Biggio became a second baseman. <laughs> he did. And that was much earlier. It was. It Todd career. Zeal became a third baseman. Yes, good one. Uh, there's, been a, there's been a number of them. We're probably missing a couple that are real easy to get. Um, but uh, anyways, good for him last night. Good for the Cardinals. We'll talk to Brian Walton at uh, 12.05. And then we're going to switch gears and go to the NFL, do a little hit on the NFL with our friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Vinny coming up here about 12.30. Trent's plays of the day uh, before we get out of here just before 1 o'clock. We had hoped to get Brian Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission uh, as part of the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. Um, he had to decline again. It's just... Um, lawyers right. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a way of uh-huh. uh, saying it otherwise um, they'd ask them to you know just wait till this there's more information comes out or whatever and, mm-hmm. I don't, and this isn't me saying that there's more coming out because I don't know the information that did come out yesterday Trent uh, Kevin Dresser's program um, at Iowa State is a focal point of this investigation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is something we knew on day one but until we had confirmation from the program itself we weren't going to say there's other shoes we accept, expect to drop. We'll leave those until they do. Um, but the wrestling program proportionately uh, has, a, um, has a number of guys that are caught up in this. Um, he called it a witch hunt. Um, don't think it's a witch hunt. No, not a witch hunt. No, you know what you find when you hunt witches? Witches. <laughs> they found what they were looking for. They did. They found things, illegal activities. Right. And I didn't like his comment about... Um, you know, singled out college student athletes treated differently. Well, they are different. <laughs> right. Right. Come on. Uh, that was tone deaf, in my opinion. But uh, the wrestling problem is uh, the wrestling program, rather, is going to uh, potentially go through some things. So we'll watch and see when, if, should say that first, if, when there is any more come out of this. And what we mean by that is um, when it becomes public and the penalties, if there are to be some, are uh, shared with the world. Dresser said it's another example that Division One athletes are held to a different standard than the average college student. Yes. Tone deaf. Yes. Yep. That's true. True. It's not a bad thing. No, it shouldn't be a bad thing. No. Those guys walk around campus. And gals. And they are. At a different level. Of course they are. At a positive light. Right. Don't make it a negative light. It's not. It's a positive thing. Would you rather be a real student or a student athlete? Well, somebody that was a real student, I'll tell you, <laughs> and had some friends that were athletes, uh-huh. I would take what's behind door number B. <laughs> Give me... Sight unseen. Yes. I will sign up for that. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Sure there is. There are a lot of perks, too. Mm-hmm. And There's more now. Perks from... You name it. Mm-hmm. I went in the back door a time or two at the union because I was with the wrestling team. Yeah. I went and got into the field house because I was with a basketball player. Those are things that I got. When I went out alone, guess what? I wasn't busted in front of the line. What are, you, what are you doing here? The door's on the other side. Hey, dork, move it. <laughs> Get out of here. But you hang out with those guys, uh-huh. and those are one of the many perks there were. Mm-hmm. And this is 25 years ago right. as a D1 athlete. And they were there 25 years before yes. you, you experienced those perks. There were slush funds back in the 1950s. Of course there was. Read the stories of Alex Karras. Uh-huh. 
Scott Dockerman a couple summers ago did an incredible. It was piece. a great read, wasn't it? Hide My favorite up. line about him when he's playing for the Lions is, this guy's different. He holds his socks up with thumbtacks. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Isn't that great? Now, he doesn't, but that's the, you know, yeah. that, that was the perception of just how tough he was. They absolutely are held to a different standard. It's a higher standard. And mm-hmm. with it, yeah. When I got a possession ticket for drinking underage, it wasn't in the newspapers. No. That's different, too. True. There are things that, but you're held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. You have a scholarship. For the most part, do we think that there were there were no people twenty one or younger on the campus in um, at Iowa City or in Ames that were betting? That'd be ridiculous to believe that. Who's going to bet? Whose names are going to be in the papers? The student athletes. Yes, not the trombone player, mm-hmm. right? Um, not the guy that uh, washes the beakers. Right. <laughs> do you still have beakers? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm gonna guess, yeah. Yeah, Baker's right. They yeah. seem to that's one of them stand this test of time in your lab coat. Uh anyways. Um but yeah, so Dresser kind of um made it public that it seems like his team has um certainly got some guys that are being looked at. And here's some one thing with the wrestling angle that I thought about. Our MMA and wrestling, a lot of connections there, right? Mm-hmm. That's another one of those why can't you bet on that? It's not NCAA sanctioned, so I think they, that's something that they can bet on because there, there is no NCAA MMA. Right. So that's something right. that, and you could understand, you open up an account, you think you know something about the sport a little uh-huh. bit more as a wrestler. You know what? I'm going to take a shot here in this NFL game. I'm going to play whatever it is. And you can see how it can kind of build from that. You go from something that you think you know. I heard uh, Lysakow last week on Hawk Central said he loves to bet NASCAR. I never knew that about Chad. Really? And Him and Williams. That is something that you can bet as a athlete because there is not college NASCAR. If you're 21. If you're 21. Right. Absolutely. And you kind of think of those just little, could could they make an app for student athletes? <laughs> just so the sports it's just, you... It's just like yeah. boxing... MMA. Russian ping pong. (laughs) What were some of those sports during the pandemic that you were firing at? Oh, Australian League's football did that. Got to learn uh, all the goofy things that the officials do after they make a kick. And and they point down to the ground. Right, yes. Had that one. A lot of ping pong. Tons of ping pong. That was a big one. Uh Uh-huh. Anything, right? Anything (laughs) to cure the shakes that I have Mm. when there was nothing else going on. Um, Speaking of that, we have a lot going on. You continue to bring up the Pac-12 and what's going to happen. Well, the ACC's now. So reading Ross Dellinger's report at SI. Oh, you read that good. And it was yep. really well informed, mm-hmm. as it always does. He does a great job. He does. He's a really... That's my next paper. That's the next one I'm going to subscribe to. I'm SI. not there yet. I think I have to. How much is it? It's, it's really cheap. It is, yeah. But they add up. I get that. But you know, we do an ironer spot where it doesn't matter. Well, it's not like you get everything back when you write it off, right? Uh, but we still, or you know, get that opportunity to do that. But that's going to be the next one for me, SI, because you get to that third article, the four free ones you get. Yeah, and you know that, yeah. and then you accidentally yeah. click on something you didn't realize was from SI. Like, I oh, do it all the time. Oh, I used one of my four. Oh no, right? And I really didn't want to. I didn't want to read it that bad, right? And now you've blown through one. I, do, I find do myself doing that at the Gazette. Oh, really? Yes. The Cedar Rapids Gazette. I don't know why the headline sucked me in, and I realized, oh, no, damn it. I want to save this for Halas. Uh, who are the other writers over there? Rob Gray's covering Iowa State. John Stepp on Iowa. John Stepp. That's the guy's name. Do you know him at all? Have you met no, him? No, I haven't all? met him yet. I'm not, I haven't either. Um, but to Dellinger's point, 
couple of interesting nuggets. In 2020, we didn't know if we were going to play football. Right. 2021, Texas and Oklahoma leave. Mm-hmm. 2022, USC and UCLA leave. Mm-hmm. So what is this? There's something else. Make your prediction right now. What's going to happen this summer? Realignment, something else. We have said NIL a couple years ago. That was a huge story. Mm-hmm. College offseason always gives us something. You believe it's the collapse of the Pac-12. I did until the ACC thing reared its head yesterday. And now and now apparently they're, they've got the eight that they need because Louisville is now mentioned amongst the other seven teams that are willing. They need a majority. Mm-hmm. There's 14 teams. That's why you have to get to eight. And if they get to eight, the AC, those eight schools believe that there's a better chance of getting out of their contract and their grant of rights without paying a king's ransom. So... Where does Louisville think they're going to land? I don't know. Maybe they're just maybe they're just lining up with somebody. All right, we'll give you. We'll be that eight school, but you got to take us with you. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you're if you're Clemson and you really want to get to the SEC or wherever, I mean, that makes the most sense to me. Um, I think that's what that's about, Trent. The ones from the ACC, Notre Dame is its own entity. Uh-huh. ACC light. Yep. North Carolina, Virginia continue to be mm-hmm. talked about a ton. Yep. Clemson. Florida State, Clemson. Because of football yep. programs. Miami. I think NC State is probably attached to North Carolina, but I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Likewise, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Those. Because they're part of the seven. What did they call them yesterday? The Magnificent Seven? Is that what it was? I never heard that about those schools before. Had you? No, no. Isn't think... that a movie? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a Western, isn't it? I think it, it is yeah, a Western. Yeah. If you're Duke, if you're Wake Forest, if you're that next tier. If it's Wake Forest, Washington State. But Duke's going to find a home. They're talking about Duke Bass. I get it's a football deal. It is. But I think Yormark's trying to change that in some respects with the Big 12. Because he thinks the basketball is being undersold. Absolutely. That they're leaving money on the table. And I don't disagree with him. So let's play around with this a little bit. You want to place the schools? You want to draft? You want to do a draft? Let's figure out where they go, all right? So let's start at the top. And at the top, let's leave Notre Dame aside for right now. I agree. Let's let's not even bring them into the equation. The two public universities that are talked about the most are North Carolina and Virginia. I think North Carolina is its own tier. I think both the SEC and the Big Ten will fight tooth and nail for North Carolina. Huge public university. A great public university. The... Jordan Brand that comes along with it, the mm-hmm. Nike, the Baby Blue. Mm-hmm. There is so much. A huge growing state mm-hmm. in North Carolina. It kind of checks every single I, box. I, I, that I you're think you, for. I think you've got you've placed them in the right conference, which is Big Ten. SEC's not going to let that go without a fight, though. Oh, you know what? Give me Clemson. Give me Miami. See, but they're already there. They already have South Carolina. They already have Florida. That we're talking about new markets still. That is still a part of this. But how, what, what is it? What is a new market for for the SEC? What's out there that could move their needle? North Carolina. But the, but that's a, that's a market I, they're not in. That is a state that they're not. True, in. True, but the Big Ten wants them too. Right. I'm going to back the Big be, Ten. Is there a sweetheart deal though? You would think North Carolina. I think is the most well. Well, they're going to have options, Trent. I don't disagree. And I, mean, I would argue two. they're more well positioned than Notre Dame is because they have both conferences. I would say North Carolina is at the top of the wish list for both the major brands. And because of that, maybe some special influence, mm-hmm. 
maybe helping out with an exit fee, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think both the SEC and the Big Ten, that's who they're fight, well, fighting for. By the way, you got to take NC State with us. Not happening. Not happening in this. I don't see that. What's the end game? 20 or yep. 24? Nope, 20. That's what 20s. I maintain? Yep, 20, 320s. 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 All right. I feel bad for Washington State. Feel do we put North Carolina and Virginia together to the Big Ten in this exercise? Let's do it. So that means Clemson, Florida State go to the SEC? SEC. Okay, you're going to play at that level. We get to that next group. Mm-hmm. So this puts the Big Ten at 18 mm-hmm. with the additions of North Carolina. And you know what? you got to look out west because you got to have partners, I think, for UCLA and USC. I think if you can get Oregon and you can get Washington, you call it good and you're up to 20. Notre Dame says we got to have a spot. Well, you know what? We, we've been telling you for years, you know what? To get off the pot. When the music stops and it's getting to the end of the song, you better uh, uh, join one of us. In this exercise, Carolina, Virginia, already in the Big Ten. That puts them up to 18. you mm-hmm. got two more spots. Yes. Notre Dame says yes, but you got to bring Stanford. Or you go the other direction, two West Coast schools, Washington, Oregon together. What makes more sense? Commissioner Miller, Mm. those are your choices. Mm. Notre Dame with Stanford or Oregon and Washington together for your final two spots. The former. Give me Notre Dame. Give me Stanford. I think you're right. One more West Coast school. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly there, but that's the direction. You're at 20. Yep. So we have added two more to the SEC with Florida State and Clemson. There's still six teams in the ACC that that went along with uh, those two schools to let them out of their grant of rights. So so the SEC is going to take Clemson. They're going to take Florida State. Okay. They're going to take Miami and shore up the state of Florida. Not that they need to. Um, Duke is a problem. Duke is a problem. Duke's in the Big 12. What a basketball conference that would be. Exactly. What a conference. So that pumps it up. You have Miami, Florida State, Clemson, Clemson and one more. Um, one more. Is it from the ACC? Is it Virginia Tech? Tech, probably. That's where I was looking. Or NC State. Between those two. NC State. I, I'll defer to you. I think NC State is... Virginia Tech's had more big-time success, but that was a long time ago. Michael Vick, that was a long time ago. Yep. Kids don't know who Michael Vick is. Nope. Or if they do, they don't know the whole story, nope. as we found out with C.J. Stroud. I think NC State, it's kind of that continuous map moving mm-hmm. up. You get a partner up there with Clemson and South Carolina. Think that's the one, but that's going to be tough. So when we get back to the Big Twelve, we are now at fifteen at because 15. you put Duke there. Have the four corner schools already joined from the from the Pac twelve? Let's say yes. So we've got one spot left. Oregon and Washington are still sitting there in this scenario. Oh, Pitt Jesus. is still sitting there. Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia Tech. Since we put NC State in the SEC, so that becomes the new Conference USA. Georgia Tech. Is still sitting there. Yeah, it's a big they've, market. They've had some success in a huge market. It's a huge market. They don't really care about Virginia Tech or no, Georgia Tech, excuse no. me, but it's still they a big want Atlantic market. Cable. Hmm. One spot. Wild. But here we are in the off season again. And in this scenario, Oregon and Washington are kind of left How out there. How can you leave island. those two schools out though? Because 
Well, then if they haven't left, then the Pac-12 survives. The Pac-12 will survive in some form or fashion. But I think it survives with the schools that are in it. Maybe they out of San Diego State or a UNLV or... um, Because if Washington, Oregon don't go anywhere... Mm -hmm. Would Stanford stay? Oh, Trent, it's fascinating over these next few months. The way we played it out, Stanford's gone. Right. So you have. They're going with Notre Dame. Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Cal. Mm -hmm. And then you add San Diego State, SMU, Boise, UNLV. That's a stinking conference. Colorado State. Oh, God. Fresno. Collins, but please. There's your new Pac 12. That's bad. How much is that? Oregon and Washington are playing for that at, at, for twenty thousand twenty million a year, probably twenty two maybe. It's changing. Yes, it is, and it seems like it's this time every single year, right? And if if indeed there are eight schools and they now have a majority, the ACC meetings are ongoing as we speak. They wrapped up yesterday, and every one of the participants that were behind the closed doors when they left through the throng of media. They looked at their shoes the entire way past the media. No comment. No comment. Look down at their shoes. Uh, <laughs> nice shoes. <laughs> Anyways, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would love to see, it's not based in reality. Can we just see how this plays out in a 12-team playoff? Can we just see what the financials are, how this works out for the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, with an automatic bid? Because if we see more consolidation, you think there's going to be five... Well, six automatic bids with a group of five. Or is that going to go down? There's only now three Three. automatic bids. Right. That's not a good thing for the NC States, the Iowa States, the Arizonas of the world. That's not what you're looking for, right? A consolidation, Mm -hmm. and in your 20-team conference, only one's guaranteed an automatic bid? Mm -hmm. That's not good. Well, you watch the Tuesday show then, if that's the case. You still won't. It's idiotic. Okay, all right. I thought maybe that might move your needle a little (laughs) bit. Just to see what they're thinking. Absolutely. I'll let not. you know. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll see the highlights. Mm-hmm. I'll make my own. It's not where based did we in put anything Lou- that happens. I know. Where did we put Nowhere. They're in the They're in the new Big 12. How about mm. that basketball brand? We're going to add Duke. We're going to add Louisville. We're going to add Arizona. Mm, Utah's good. played for a national championship. Pretty good. Yeah, really good. Pretty, pretty good. Fascinating to see. And um, all of the... the, the Pac-12 is meeting. The ACC is meeting. Can you imagine the phone calls that have been initiated yesterday? Wouldn't you like to be able to get access to whoever's making these calls back and forth? I mean, mean, your mock is probably on the phone with some ACC school when the Pac-12 is beeping through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got to take this. It's got to be fascinating to see how this is all going to unfold. And the Big 12 is in a great spot. They are. Where they were. Yes. Pac-12 could have delivered the death knell. They could have. Two different times. Absolutely. Take take Oklahoma and Texas. They had the mm-hmm. weekend to think about it. You know what? We don't want the Longhorn Network. We're going to pass. And look what happened. Their conference is now teetering on the brink. Those two schools have now left the Big 12, headed to the SEC. But you know what? The Big 12 is fine. Could have gone out there when Texas and Oklahoma left. Mm-hmm. Very simply. All right. Let's take... Oklahoma State. Yeah. Let's take Kansas for basketball. Let's take Texas Tech and maybe one more. But you know what? You know what's an, another tentacle of this scenario that we're laying out there? Does the Big 12 have a little buyer's remorse? It's a good question. Right? Yeah. If only we would have. I mean, Cincinnati, I like a lot. 
UCF, BYU, when we could have had A, B, and C. We could have had the right. remaining ACC, our yes. choice of Duke or Virginia right. Tech or whatever of these brands we're talking about and making it if absolutely. If only this would have been a year later. Mm-hmm. Think how good our conference would have been then. Well, and good thing they didn't go completely overboard and also add San Diego State and Memphis and yeah. whatever else was out there. Right. At least they didn't go out there and look so at the bargain. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Because you really would have hold your, you would have backed yourself into a corner if you did something like mm-hmm. that. Still have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. Three mm. twenty-team conferences. I think that's where we're at. But man, we're leaving some uh, some really good schools uh, on the drawing board. Fascinating to see how it goes, but I but I'm I'm with Trent. I think it's uh, you can you can draw it back to this time of year, the last couple of years, as to how and to where uh, these what these conferences are going to be look like. Look, it's it's not a surprise. Super conferences have been being discussed for I don't know decade now. When did you first hear super conferences? Nineteen ninety. Has it been that long? Yeah, going back to Penn State when they joined the Big Ten. But did you? But the actual. You know, three twenty team league. It's probably even five, six, maybe ten years ago. Oh, this has been out there for a very long time. I I have, I've scratched this on the back of a napkin at a bar a time or two back in the day. (laughs) This, and I, I've said it before. Did you go the front door to the bar or the back door to get (laughs) in? That that would have been a front door day. I had to wait in line a while to get in for that one. This is something that I maintain. When we were in Vegas two years ago, doing our show from Circa, and everything's breaking. With the Big 12. Mm-hmm. We came in that next morning. Everything's blowing up. I said, it's very simple. This is going to become a power two. Mm-hmm. And Cyclone fans got all pissy about it, but this is the reality. No, it is a power two. This is the way that we have been trending for years. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue this path until whatever the end game is, 18, 20, 24, whatever the end game is, that is what this is morphing into. It doesn't mean that Iowa State Athletics is going to cease to no, exist. No, of course not. It's not what's going to happen here. But the gap between the SEC and the Big Ten and everybody else mm-hmm. is going to continue to grow. Yep. Interesting nugget also from that Dellinger piece. Kevin Warren wanted Oregon Washington. He wanted it to happen. And when he went to the TV networks, they said, we don't have money for them. Hmm. This is not going to add to our bottom line. Mm-hmm. USC, UCLA, absolutely. Oregon Washington hmm. doesn't do enough for us. Our Oregon Washington at the point where they say, we don't need $75 million a year. Well, Oregon we'll, doesn't, as long we'll, as Phil Knight's alive. We'll take half. Yeah. And even that $37 million would be... You know where they would be getting into trouble, and Ryan will get to you in one minute here. Um, I, I, I don't think you can give School X one amount of money and School Y half that amount of well, money. we saw what happened in the Big 12 with this in Texas. Yeah. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. Uh, let's get Ryan, then we'll get our break talk NBA basketball. Ryan, welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, doing good. Uh couple things real quick what you're talking about. I think it, and at some point once the SEC and Big Ten get to the numbers they want, that they're just basically going to be like an NFL, AFC, NFC, and then 12 of them meet in a playoff. Because why would they want to share the? They're going to have probably 38, if not 40, of the top 40 football programs anyway. And they just keep it in-house. Mm-hmm. Not crazy, uh, not crazy. Um, yeah, why share the wealth? Yeah, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah. And, and just think of the non-conference in your schedule. Every game would be amazing. It really would. It, <laughs> yeah. it would be incredible. Ryan, thanks for the call. In terms of NFL light, I don't want to see that either. I still want to see a seat at the table for 
what's left of the ACC and the Big 12 and the mm-hmm. Pac-12. I still want to see a spot for them. I still want to see the group of five get their shot in this new iteration of the college football playoff. I want to see those things. I don't want to see the best 40, 48 brands, whatever. Does, do the group of five survive? They would in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Playing Tuesday afternoons in November? No, they'll still play their schedule. They're playing right now. The gap is still significant. The Big Ten is getting currently $55 million a year. The Mac, two. They're still out there. Yeah. They're still doing their thing. And it can still continue. It's a feeder program is what it is. That's what it's becoming because it of yeah, NIL, NIL. Yeah. and the transfer portal. Yeah. I would just be very disappointed to see that end game. It's a likely scenario. I absolutely can see it happening. I don't want to see that, though. I still want to see an opportunity, even with the strength of the SEC and the Big Ten. I still want to see everybody else still with an opportunity. That's what makes college football what mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. is everybody. 130 teams at the FCS level. Seeing yep. that, the NCAA tournament, which would have to change in the structure we're talking about here, that's not the end game I'm looking for. 11.30 NBA conversation next. Miller and Condon underway on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. All right, 25 minutes before noon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Back with us to discuss the conference finals is our friend from the Sporting News. He's Kyle Irving. He's been with us all playoffs long, last season as well. And he's back to help us out with these. Kyle Trenton, Ken in Des Moines, as always. We appreciate you finding time for us. Uh, well, we're down to four. Let's start out west because that's where most of the eyeballs will be as we get underway tonight. What's the, what are the Lakers going to do? Is it a, is as simple as, well, we know Joker's going to get his. Let's try and take somebody else away. Maybe that's Murray. I'm not saying that's easier said than done. Uh, but what kind of strategy do you think they will employ uh, trying to stop this Nuggets team? Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are going to have their hands full trying to stop Jokic. And as we saw last round, you know, the, the Suns never really found an answer, whether it was Jokic going off for 40-something points or it's him, you know, addition to his teammates on the perimeter whenever they tried to double down because Aiden couldn't handle him himself. I think the Lakers are going to hope that Anthony Davis can do a better job one-on-one against Jokic than Aiton did. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen in the past, you know, Jokic has kind of given Anthony Davis a handful, and it's crazy to say, but he's just so much bigger. I mean, he has like over 25 pounds on Anthony Davis. He kind of has that ability to just back him into the rim. And even though Anthony Davis is one of the best shot blockers in the league, he is going to need a little bit of help. I'm curious to see how the, the Lakers plan to handle that because, you know, in the first round when they were going up against the Grizzlies, we saw Jared Vanderbilt, who's been kind of like yep. you know, their Swiss Army knife in their toolbox, guarding on the perimeter, even though he's more of a power forward. And that you know doesn't really give him an opportunity to double down and help on someone like Jokic if he's going to be guarding Jamal Murray. So I, I really do think that a lot of this just falls on Anthony Davis's shoulders of having to take on this Jokic assignment and prove why he's you know one of the probably three best uh, rim defenders in the NBA. But at the same time, you know it's a 
it's going to be a team effort, and it's going to you know require guys like Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt to also you know be able to double down on Jokic and make him make the decisions that he's so good at making. On the other end, he's still got to play some defense, and it certainly hasn't felt to this point that teams have been able to exploit him on the defensive end. AD, when he's right, we know what he can mm. mean. Maybe the most indispensable player for the Lakers, even with LeBron on this team. How about on the other end? What do the Lakers do offensively to try to get Joker either in foul trouble or just get him away from the rim? Yeah, I think that you know Anthony Davis is someone who, when they played them in the bubble in 2020, it's tough to even compare those matchups because in that series, there was a lot of Dwight Howard. There was a lot of JaVale McGee, guys that aren't even in the league anymore that you know did a really good job of uh, you know, being able to play that five spot and let Anthony Davis roam out to the perimeter a little bit more to try and pull Joker away from the away from the rim. Um, Anthony Davis is also not the jump shooter that he was in 2020. He almost has the yips a little bit, especially from three-point range. He almost doesn't take threes at all anymore. So the Lakers going to have to try and get creative on offense. I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, high ball screens to try and get Jokic to defend on the perimeter, uh, whether that's guys like LeBron James and uh, Austin Reeves or D'Angelo Russell, uh, just trying to create those switches to let them get downhill and make Jokic kind of backpedal and not just let him sit in the paint and kind of just use his length to deter shots at the rim. So, you know, I, I'd expect the Lakers to put him in a lot of ball screen actions, but at the same time, in the last series, the, the Nuggets did a really good job of allowing Jokic to guard non-shooters on the perimeter so that way he could kind of just float around the rim and I would be, you know, shocked if they, again, don't really try something like that with, again, someone like Jared Vanderbilt or maybe Rui Hachimura, who they're a little bit more willing to let shoot on the perimeter. So it's going to be a chess match for sure, but Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic, that's where this series is going to be determined. Uh, no doubt about it, and we know that what uh, Jokic can do. Is this a, um, a a legacy definer maybe for Anthony Davis? I mean, if he's, if he's able to, I don't think you can shut him down, um, hold him to whatever that number is but i mean th- th- this could go a long way legacy for for davis's legacy right if he's able to because i i think that i mean if they're going to win davis has to do what you've just said um career defining for him i absolutely think it is career defining for him because you know people are really starting to acknowledge Jokic, and it's crazy that it took him two mvps and you know breaking all these records to get that recognition but People are finally starting to acknowledge the fact that, you know, this is one of the greatest players that we probably will ever see right in front of us, even if, you know, Uh it kind of rubs people the wrong way because he hasn't won anything yet. Um, And Anthony Davis is still, even though, you know, he he was named to the NBA's top 75 players of all time last year, he's got the NBA championship, he's an eight-time all-star. I think he has the recognition of being, you know, one of the great bigs of this generation. But, you know, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And right now, Jokic is probably the best player in the NBA and definitely the best player still left standing. And it's going to be his job to prove to everybody else that, you know, I can take on this assignment. Um, I can get it done on both ends of the floor. And he really is going to be the reason the Lakers win if they can pull it off. Jamal Murray, questionable for game one. He had an illness back in game six. He was questionable for that one and made it a go. What do we know about the illness, what's happening there and the likelihood that he doesn't go tonight for Denver? I mean, he, the other night he had said that there wasn't really a chance that he wasn't going to suit up. I think more so it's kind of just a formality than anything else, anything else that they're reporting this. But I would be shocked if Jamal Murray is not ready to go game one. He's so vital to what they do in just being able to create that space for Jokic in the paint and just give the Lakers another player to worry about on the perimeter. Um, you know, I mean, if he can't go, then it's next man up, and maybe we'll see someone like Reggie Jackson uh, get some playing time who hasn't really played much at all. 
the Nuggets in this postseason, but you know, I, I would really be shocked if Tim Bomer is not ready to go tonight. Uh, anything more on the uh, West Trent? Uh, let's go to the East, but let's go back before we go forward. We saw Doc Rivers uh, lost his uh, job today. The Sixers have fired him. Uh, first quarter was really good. Philadelphia had the lead after the first 12 minutes and then not so much after that, especially the third quarter when Murray just went bananas and outscored the, uh, outscored the Sixers by himself. So when it, when it comes to the Sixers, look what MB did and he just was not the same player. Clearly, Harden, um, he had another bad day. You can look at game six in the final few minutes of that game when Murray got it going, uh, or Tatum rather got it going and was just uh, unguardable after doing nothing the first 36 minutes of the, uh, or whatever it was, 38 minutes of the basketball game. Um, but when you look at the Sixers team, what, what, what do you see? Do you see Embiid and Harden as two guys that uh, can k- take a team or do they need, uh, as Embiid alluded to, more help? I really, I mean, it felt like this team could have been a conference finals and NBA finals caliber team this season. It's just the inconsistency that, you know, you never know what version of James Harden is going to show up. And the games that good James Harden showed up, the 76ers won and they looked like a championship contender. The games that he didn't show up, it looked like Embiid needed more help. You know, Joel didn't exactly show up in game seven either. But, you know, I, I do think that as a duo, they have what it takes. And I do think that roster is a championship caliber roster. But it's just the level of consistency from those guys. You never know what version you're going to get of James Harden. And because of that, it wouldn't shock me if the 76ers do try and move on from him this offseason, especially because you're trying to maximize Joel Embiid's prime window, which is right now mm-hmm. we're in the middle of it. And, you know, he is an injury-prone seven-footer who's 280-something pounds. You know, it's not, not exactly looking great for his future in terms of being able to play at this level for much longer. So, you know, when you're looking at making changes from the top down, I mean, I'm surprised that Doc Rivers even made it to Tuesday, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you. I thought he would have been fired on Monday. Um, you know, there were the reports yesterday that uh, it was kind of an ultimatum almost of, you know, is it going to be James Harden or is it going to be Doc Rivers? But Harden doesn't want to come back and play for Doc. And, you know, we've seen him kind of, you know, I don't want to say blow up franchises before, but you look at what mm-hmm. happened to the Mets, and he was kind of the first domino to fall there. So, you know, it really would not surprise me in the slightest if the 76ers just try and go, in a completely different direction. They've already fired Doc Rivers. I wouldn't be surprised if Harden's not back. But if he is back, I, I think, you know, they'll be right back to where they were. Uh, you know, next year they'll be right back to where they were this year. Uh, they'll be a championship contender. It's just going to come down to can these guys show up in the playoffs. Same question when it comes to Golden State. When you see that Golden State team walk off the floor after getting beat in six games, what do you see? What's left of Golden State? Do they have another run in them? I was pretty surprised that Draymond Green was as committal as he was to wanting to re-sign in Golden State. I would have thought maybe he'd test his options in free agency a little bit this year, especially because it's not a great free agent class. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to count the Warriors out. I had, uh, Honestly, to tell you the truth, I had thought that the Warriors dynasty might have already been done, and then they went out and won the NBA championship last year. Um, you know, they came up short this year, but they still kind of had that threat to them that everybody was like, oh, well, Golden State's still lurking. Maybe they'll make another finals run. That just you know, that goes to show how incredible Stephen Curry is, and I think as long as he's on that roster and that core is in place and, and Steve Curry's coaching, I, I don't see how we could ever kind of, you know, fully bury them in the ground as I kind of see as dead. Kyle, there are three really good NBA jobs open right now, and in Iowa, Nick Nurse is looking for a job. Bucks, 76ers, Suns. If you're Nick Nurse, and if you have your choice and you got an NBA title on your resume, it's a pretty good starting point there. What is the best situation between Philly, Phoenix, and Milwaukee? 
Um, you know, well, first off, I think Nick Nurse is definitely the best coach on the coaching market. There's a lot of good coaches available right now, whether it's Monty Williams who got fired, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Budenholzer got fired, but Nurse is the best available, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think that Milwaukee job is still the most desirable. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, again, I mean, I just called Jokic the best player in the world. Giannis would probably have his say there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. This is a group that obviously they came up well, well short of expectations this year. But if I'm Nick Nurse, that's probably the first job that I'm looking for. Um, you know, after that, Phoenix, I would love to see what Nick Nurse could do in Phoenix because that's a roster that they have so much talent at the top in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So they really need to get more out of the role players on that team. And I'm not sure if there's anybody that is better at getting the most out of his players than Nick Nurse is and, and seeing what he did in Toronto during his time there. Um, you know, I think the locker room may have tuned him out a little bit at the end of his, his tenure this past season, but... I think that if there's anybody that's willing or that's able to make the most of an opportunity um, for you know random role players or signing guys in free agency, I think Nick Nurse can elevate that team higher than any other coach on the market. And then I would honestly rank the 76ers last out of those three jobs just because of the uncertainty that I was just talking yeah. about. You have to figure out what you're doing with James Harden. Yes, you have the league MVP. And you have an incredible talent like Tyrese Maxey. But there's a lot of other uncertainty there. And I just don't trust that system and, and those players on that roster as much as I do, uh, say, Milwaukee or Phoenix. Hmm. Uh, last thing for me, please make a case that Miami-Boston is a competitive series. <laughs> I don't think I really it will do, be. I really do think it will be because, you know, even though the Celtics, they look like the world beaters that people expect them to be in Game 7, but they always find a way to trip up and get in their own way. And I think, you know, last year at Miami, what they did so well, what they always do so well against the Celtics team, is they know that this Celtics team doesn't love to play physical basketball. You know, there's a lot of hand checking. They're they're getting hands in passing lanes. Uh, every time they're going to the trying to drive in the basket, they're throwing multiple bodies at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, those two looked like turnover machines against the Heat last year in the playoffs. And I think they have learned from their mistakes a little bit. But I do think that there is a level of just gritty, tough tenacity. Um, just that the Miami Heat play on defense that it's going to make things a little bit more difficult for the Celtics than people might really think. Any chance Tyler Hero, is he completely out, or could we see him later in the series? The last thing that I saw on Hero is that he still has not progressed to doing uh, basketball activities. But, you know, this time frame at the beginning of the playoffs when he first ended that hand, uh, it, it did look like he might be able to make it back at some point in the conference finals. So, you know, unless there's a, a big shock between now and tomorrow, I wouldn't expect him to be ready for game one or even game two. But maybe when the series shifts back to Miami, we might be able to see Tyler Hero if he can – you know, start participating in practice and and team shoot rounds and things like that. I read your piece this morning, Kyle, at the Sporting News on the draft course. The uh, lottery is tonight. This sentence certainly got my attention when you're talking about Wembenyama, and I hope I'm saying his name right. We certainly will know it here in the years ahead. Not only is he a generational talent and a surefire top pick in the draft, he's potentially the single best draft prospect since LeBron James in 2003. That gets your attention, and I don't think it's over the top, watching this kid do what he does at the size that he is. Going to be phenomenal to watch him as he makes his way through the NBA. That's a good read, uh, the entire list that, that you've got up at the Sporting News. Kyle Irving. Kyle, thank you for joining us. As always, we'll talk to you uh, next week, if not before. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you so much, Trent. Have a good day. Take care. Good to hear from you. Uh, our buddy Kyle Irving on the draft and the conference finals. The NBA draft lottery is one of my favorite 
non-sporting events events on the calendar. Is it? There's just something about the it. The ping pong balls? Yeah, the just the little, what is it, a 12 by 12 card, card that they put yeah. up there yeah. back in the day when they had all the executives and then it morphed into... Owners, owners kids, kids yeah yes. Sitting players up there just yeah. hoping manager right to see their logo pop up there whatever the luck charm is it's kind of goofy yeah a little different yeah but for whatever reason it just it's always hit with me now i used to be a lot bigger nba fan than i am today mm-hmm. i'm sure that was a part of it too during mm-hmm. your a growing up period and that was you didn't it used to be like sunday afternoon Oh, I don't remember that. Back in the... NBC as we played round ball rock coming out of the maybe, break there. Maybe. I think that's when it was, either right before one of the playoff games or in between two games on NBC, something like that. But it was a big deal for, well, if you're a Timberwolves fan, because that's, <sighs> you're just hoping. Right. Ping pong balls yep. go your way. And this one? Who's, one who's got the most ping pong balls tonight, you know? Who would it be? Don't Charlotte? Know. Maybe. I, I have no idea. Let's see here. Standings. Worst team. Detroit? Detroit? They won 17 games. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit is? Yeah. had 17 wins. Charlotte had 27, 22 for both Houston and San Antonio. Not like the old days either, where you'd believe the 85 draft was rigged with Patrick Ewing in the frozen envelope. Sure seemed like that, really right? Does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, the NHL just had their lottery, and, and we were watching it and felt fixed at the time. I told you it, for how long. It did, yeah. But there was a, there was a bunch of um, esteemed members of the media that I read and trust and don't, and, and don't think that they're on the take. It has to be above the board. It has to be. The people that put these together. And the what's, what's the firm? Deloitte, Haskins, and Yeah, they whatever. run lotteries. They're not going to rig something. Mm-hmm. It just feels right. It does. It just you lose feels Patrick right. Kane. You lose Jonathan Taves. Your team stinks. And oh, by the way, this kid falls into your lap on the heels of a covering up sexual abuse inside the uh, inside the team. But uh, at the sake of winning Stanley Cups, it put uh, anyways. Uh, Carmen didn't bite him on draft night. They certainly didn't. As the Blackhawks get Connor Bedard, be crappy for Connor, be bad for Bedard. It was actually a song. Truly was. You Canadians are weird. We're just weird, aren't we? Uh, We'll come back and finish the hour. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Four by NHTSA. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. So I've been informed during the break that the NBA has actually changed the way they do the lottery now. Yeah, right now Detroit, Houston, San Antonio all with So it has to be with tanking, right? They don't want tanking? 14% chance for all three of those teams. So place them. Where do you want them to go? Is Popovich going to stay for how many more years? Mm, I'm kind of out on the Spurs. Put them in Detroit. Can't we get the Pistons be good again? It's been 20 years. Why would you do that to them? What's wrong with Detroit? Oh, come on. But they've cleaned up the city. Yeah. It's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Canada. You can go over to Windsor, have <laughs> uh-huh. yourself some fun over bring, there. You bring your mucklucks and your toque and your mitts and What's your a, scarf. I, I know a toque. You've told me that. What's a muckluck? You put your shoe inside and then you buckle it up. It's, a, it's for your feet. A muckluck? Muckluck. You didn't have mucklucks? <laughs> didn't have mucklucks in New Haven, no. <laughs> Muckluck? Uh, mucklucks. Is that like, uh, what do they call them? Like a, It's kind of plaid. They're kind of rubbery. Like a rubber? Yeah. yeah. But you put your shoe, you wear your shoe a in A rubber it. for your shoe. A no, muckluck. no, no, but it's up to your, like, halfway up your calf. 
Okay. So and it goes you, all the way up. Yeah. And you yeah. buckle them. Yeah. They're muck well, there's a buckle. Okay. A muckluck. I think Tuke is a stocking cap. Stocking cap, yeah. What other weird terms? Oh, there's probably a bunch when it comes what to... What do you call gloves? Mitts. Mitts. You don't wear gloves in Canada. You wear mitts. You wear you mitts. Ha- your fingers get too cold. What if you have gloves, though? They're still mitts? Well, you can considered? wear gloves, but you're not going to want to because it's too cold. You want mitts, so your fingers, the warmth of your fingers, you're but actually I'm be touching scraping my windshield. I, I need... Well, you need, need your gloves then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, your mitts. That, have you seen, I don't have any gloves. I wear mitts all winter long. You do? All winter long. So do my children. Don't leave, don't leave the house without my mitts. Without your mitts. All my garbage mitts. That's what they're called. I got to get to Canada. We got to get up there some I got to get to Canada. For some Jets playoff game. That's what we need to make happen. Yeah. I got to get there this summer. I've been saying it for the last five. I have to get home. Making the drive. Mm-hmm. Ten hours. My mom passed in COVID. I couldn't get up there. Yeah. I've never seen her final resting place. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. I just can't get myself in the car to drive ten and a half, and the flights are just bananas. Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. You, you it's can leave forty minutes to week. Minneapolis and sixty. It's sixty-two minutes from Minneapolis to Winnipeg. How big is Winnipeg? Eight hundred thousand. So tick bigger than Des Moines. Oh, it's it's a little bigger. Yeah, it's bigger in Des Moines. Bigger in Des Moines. I. Why is it so expensive? I don't know. There's only one airline going in there. Uh, that's probably the reason. Then, uh-huh. right? Can't find an Allegiant flight. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no devoid of Winnipeg No, Rex. no, 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 no. That makes a little bit of sense. Indeed it does. All right. Good stuff. Uh, gotta, we call them mud boots. Mud boots, yeah. Okay. Doc Fuller calls them. We call them mucklucks. Mucklucks. It's coming up on noon. We're going to talk about those red hot Saint. Are they back in the hunt? Yeah, Absolutely. I fired at them. They're still in last place. They're forty to one to win the World Series. No, they're not. You're not going that far, are you? Well, I bet the division. I, I can't get any worse. It was four fifty yesterday. It's two ninety today. That's that's nuts. Have we you, thought they were the runaway favorite in the division. We might be right. That did very well. Could happen. <laughs> we might end up being right. Boy, Morrell hit another one yesterday. Did you yes, see that bomb? I did. My God, he's got four already. When he hits them too, there's mm-hmm. the distance behind him. Um, but he started here. <laughs> I had to get that extra time down here. I'm guessing we've seen the last of Christopher Morrell. So uh, we will uh, come back with another hour. Brian Walton on the Cardinals. Vinny Iyer doing a little NFL conversation. Trent's plays of the day coming up as well tomorrow. Matt Rudy on the golf, ready or not, the PGA, the golf second major it starts on Thursday. It's Miller and Con.